we always had hope that a really strong church would be established and would be, eventually take hold. I just know that God's alive here. God has been changing people's lives, and it started when the leader of the church said, whatever you want, God, will do. I don't know where I'd be. Don Springs changed my life. I love Rapid City was that big one to where people started to recognize, like, hey, whoa, this church cares about the community. It cares about other churches, just cares about people in general. If we do what God says to do, we can change the lives of thousands of people. God can use anybody to build his kingdom. He just needs willing hearts. Well, welcome to week two of five weeks that we're calling Step Up. Now, uh, if you're brand new and you're like, I missed week one. Oh, no. Well, well, you can go online and you can watch it or listen to it. And, and what I want you to get a hold of is that we as a church are engaging the fact that we've got to do some things a little differently. And so if you've missed this, we're stepping up in three different ways. So this is an insider's conversation for everyone. I know that doesn't make sense. So there's three things. One, we are launching another Fountain Springs Church location on the other side of town, on the east side of town. It's right across the street from the fairgrounds. That's going to, yeah, yeah, you're excited. That's what I'm talking about. That will launch in 2016. February, March, sometime around then. But at, at the same time, we're adding seats to the West location. We're building a new auditorium, doubling the amount of seats and making more room for kids so that we don't have to keep turning kids away from the Sunday morning and, and Saturday night services. And so that will happen again at the same time. But there's a third thing, and I don't want it to, to miss what uh, we're talking about. I want to get caught in, in the flow of things, and so I'm going to focus on it. It's the third thing we're calling Trash Mountain Project. There's an organization located in Topeka, Kansas that has been involved in five different countries at this point right now. In those five countries, there are nine different communities that they are investing in. Here's the small detail that is pivotal that you and I have not, we've got to be so concerned about. It's got to wreck us so much that we do something about this. There are trash dumps. You and I are familiar with trash dumps. Some of you on the weekends go take some of your junk over there and dump it off. And most places have dumps. The problem is at the particular dump that we're going to partner with is located in the Philippines. There are literally people living in the trash dumps. They live there. It's, it's their home. The toxic fumes from the trash that sits there fills their lungs. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I know sometimes we see so many commercials, we think, oh, you're just trying to manipulate. No, this is just the, the facts. There are people dying in these trash dumps because of the problems inside of it. Uh, kids are dying of things that could easily be prevented. And we have learned of this, and we've got to step up and do something about it. And so I want the whole church to be a part of this. Uh, in fact, we're calling the whole church to step up. So if you're brand new, I want to bring everyone up to speed. We don't just have this one location. We actually have two locations. I told you we're adding the third, but you may not know where the second one is. It's located at what we call the Rapid City Minimum Unit. It's a local prison. Yeah, fellas, yeah. 
So the, the, the same sermon that you and I right now were a part of, the fellows at RCMU will sit in, in a room at the prison and be a part of it. They'll worship just like you and I got to sing songs and worship. It's incredible. It's not just a secondary thing. It's a primary thing that we have as a church. It's, one of, it's our second location, and we're launching a third. I'll tell you more about that in that series. Now, I want to bring you to something that I think you're familiar with. As we talk about what are we going to do for Trash Mountain Project, seriously, David, there's people living in trash dumps. Yeah, not just in the Philippines, by the way. Tons and tons of countries all over the world. And if you and I will get engaged in their lives, if you and I will not ignore that problem, if you and I will invest in this, listen, we can literally, I'm not being figuratively, I'm not metaphorically speaking, you and I change lives. And I want to help us have this conversation. I'm going to bring you to what I would contend is the most well-known part of the entire Bible. You know that big book that some of us have on a shelf that gathers dust, or some of you are like, no, I'm in the digital age. You know that app on your phone that you never open? <laughs> you know that, that thing called the Bible that many of us are unfamiliar with and we aren't sure what to do with and many of us don't understand, but there is a part of that Bible that I think you are familiar with, you've heard of it, you've seen a sign at a football game, John 3.16. John 3.16, you may not know it, by memory, but I would tell you it's one of the, if not the most well-known part of the entire Bible. Rivaling in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here we go, let me read it to you, just in case you don't know it, and by the way, some of you did grow up in church, and you think as I read this, you're supposed to read it out loud. No, don't do that, but your mind will tell you to do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now some of you are like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. And I would say, I think I know your favorite part, or at least it's the majority's favorite part. It's the beginning part. And, and I, I have subtly helped you see it. For God so loved the world. And you're like, oh, that's awesome, that we get eternal life if we believe in what Jesus did. But for God so loved the world. I mean, that's where most of us get a bit of our understanding of God. Where a lot of us, like, if I made you describe God, like, oh, I'll describe God. God is love. And many of you, when you think about Jesus walking the earth, you picture Jesus just walking down the street saying, who wants a hug? I'll give you a hug. And you picture this little ooey-gooey Jesus who's just, you want a hug? And I'm here just to help you and love you, and let's give hugs out all day long. And, and many of us like this. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to trash this. Listen, listen closely. That is a powerful part of true life, for God so loved the world. I mean, God that made all of this, he loves you and I, for God so loved the world, and I would say that's an important part, but I'm not sure that's the most pivotal part. See, you and I will read, for God so loved the world, and then we hop down to, what do I get out of that? Oh, I get eternal life in heaven, sweet, I just gotta believe and go to church. And we miss one of the most critical parts of the most well-known verse. So let me show this to you. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. See, we miss like, well, I know he gave, but get to the good stuff, David. I think this is the good stuff. See, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, for God loves you and I, anyone and everyone, and you and I, yeah, that's one of the core values of this church. We wear it on our bracelets if you have one. Love, yeah. We should love everybody or at least most of the people that don't get on our nerves, but love, yes. Anyone and everyone should be welcome in this church and love, love, love. Many of you invite people to this church and some of you are here for the first time. You're like, I heard you people love people and this is a good place. Yes, yes, yes. But listen, 
Every one of us understands and knows a person who's faked love. Broken our hearts. Someone's like, I love you, I love you. And you're like, oh, you do? But then they prove something different. And what I would contend is love, the way to the way make love happen is to give. It's why God loves us so much that what it compelled him to do was give to us. And so don't just champion, this church loves everybody, welcomes everybody, yay, yay, yay. We must give to people. We cannot just speak with our mouths and say, you're important, you get a seat. I don't know what we're gonna do, but you're just gonna get a seat. (laughs) It's gotta move beyond that. And what Jesus showed you and I over a simple verse, for God so loved the world, he gave. So walk that out in your own life. Are you, are you a giver? Now, I know some of you are freaking out now. You're like, oh, man. First time in church and the preacher's asking for money. No, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm asking in all aspects of your life, are you generous? Or do you all just consume? And I'm trying to teach this to my kids. I mean, I've got three kids, two years old, seven years old, and 12. Don't ask why that happened. Just listen to the story. So I'm trying to coach into my kids, not just that anyone and everyone should be welcome, not just that anyone matters, because they some might get that, except for the people they don't like, but we're learned, we're working, we're working, and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, dad, we, we understand that to love, and they're like, well, well, you know how you display love, how, how you engage this idea of love is, is you give, and they're like, you're not, you're not talking our language. Uh, when you raise kids, if you've ever been around kids, you know they're not typically super generous people. Now, if you're like, no, my kids are, your kids are perfect, sorry. My kids are like, gimme, 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 gimme. And I get Christmas lists uh, for Christmas the next Christmas all the time. Like, okay, now here's what we want now. And, and, and giving for them, I don't believe, listen, I don't believe it's natural. I think it's good and healthy, but I don't think it's natural. So I've been trying to coach this into the kids. And, and I'm gonna tell you a story. Some of you know this story, but uh, just listen to it closely because I'm gonna add something I've never shared with you. So I've been trying to coach this into my kids, and one of the life lessons has happened at the movie theater. If, <laughs> I don't know if you like the movies. You should. If you don't, you're, I, you're wrong. The movies are awesome. And, and so I love to go to the movies, and, and every summer we go on vacation, and one of the things that we do on vacation when dad gets burned, uh, we go to the movies because we can't do anything else. And so we go to the movies, and, and, and it, it's an event. Now, I know some of you, you're thrifty. You sneak in candy and pop and... I'm not going to out you right now, don't worry, but, but you sneak stuff in. We go in, and, and, and we, it's an event, so of course the tickets, we buy the tickets, they're way overpriced, and I tell them I'm, I'm 12 and under, but they don't believe me, but, but I, we, it's overpriced, but even what's more overpriced, all of us would know this, is what? The food. You buy the food, and you're like, I could have got seven two liters for, for this one price of this Coke you just charged me. And popcorn, it, like, do they lace it with gold? Like, what is going on? And you, but, but as we don't go to the movies all the time as a family. It's expensive, but there's events. And on vacation, we'll typically go. And, and so I told the kids, hey, kids, you know, it's vacation. Uh, you can go pick something out. And, and if you've ever been to a movie theater, you know that you go, and they're going for the candy. The popcorn is adult food to them. They're going to the candy, and you, you go to the glass, you know, the open the glass, you can look through it, and, and, and you see this like incredible Willy Wonka factory of awesomeness, and, and they're looking through and picking out what box of candy they want. And, and I've tried to coach my kids, because the right candy is the sour gummy candy. And, and, and they, they used to just do what daddy liked, now they're older and they don't care. So they get whatever they want. But my two-year-old, this summer, it was his first movie. Now, I know somebody, like, you took a two-year-old to a movie? Yeah, just keep going. So it's when the movie called Minions 
came out. If you don't understand, if you ever talk to a two-year-old, it's like talking to a minion. And so my two-year-old has seen all the advertisements of the minions, and I think he thinks they're friends because they're like, they speak my language. And, and, and if you don't know minions, go search it. It's, it's, they're, they're weird. And, and so the minions movie was coming out. We researched. It's like, okay, this is good. Our two-year-old's going to enjoy it. He won't get it, but he'll watch it and love it. And so we're there. It's Titus. That's his name. It's his first movie. So he goes up to the candy playground inside of that box, and he picks sour gummy candy. Yep, yep, I was so proud of him. You guys are clapping like, good job. Now, I think it had to do with the fact that there were minions on the box. And he's like, I want, I want Kevin. Kevin's the one of them. He's like, I want Kevin. And, and so we got him the sour gummy. We went inside, and some of you have heard this story, know what I began to do because I'm gonna teach a life lesson. So my older kids were sitting down with, with Katie, and I put Titus right by me, sitting right next to me. Great moment. I love the movies. He's going to love the movies. And he starts eating his candy, and Dad's eating popcorn. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't mind something you know, sour and sweet. And I look over, and it's my two-year-old. I bought him, and I'm like, hey, bud, can, can I have one? He said no. It's amazing the words they learn so quickly and use so Prevalently, and I, I was like, okay, I don't like the word no from a two-year-old. So I began to ask a little bit more, pry a little bit more, reach my hand around a little bit more, and, and, and it didn't go well. By the end of the whole moment, he moved away from me. It hurt my feelings a little bit. He went down and sat in his mother's lap, and it broke my heart. I'm still wounded by it. Uh, now, now, some of you think, oh, David, you know, you've told the story about your other two kids, and you're thinking, you're just adding your other kid to just try to talk to us about giving. Well, for your viewing pleasure, I videoed the whole moment. Because <laughs> I knew, I know human nature, and human nature is, is not unique. You and I behave the same way very frequently. And so as I was about to ask my two-year-old for some candy, I got the bright idea, I'm gonna get my phone out and see what happens. And so for your viewing pleasure, you get to watch us on vacation, specifically Titus at a movie theater, as I ask for candy. Take a look. From this tower gummy? No. It allows you to prevent new purchases on one? your account in seconds if your card is misplaced. Hey, <laughs> do I share you? You wanna share your gummy? No. Hmm? No. No? No? So, you gonna share? No. Here. No, no. No? No. 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 There you go. Pastors are real people, and, and I know. And, and, and if you, I, I told you the truth, so, so it was after that screaming no, and I was like, well, I should probably stop this. There's people looking around. He got down from his seat, went over, and sat by his mom on her lap for the rest of the entire movie, and wanted absolutely nothing to do with me, and still doesn't. No, he's, he's over it, he's over it. 
what's fascinating is you and I look at that and be like, oh, that's so cute. Do you understand that's what you and I do all the time? It really is. See, here's a few things that, that Titus, I'm trying to coach into his life, he, he didn't recognize. One is I gave him the candy. He forgot that pretty quick. <laughs> but, but then move on is he also didn't know I don't need it. I mean, I, I don't make a ton of money, I, but I can go out to the candy. I would love to take a break from the movie Minions and go out to where they're selling candy and go buy my own candy. I mean, that wasn't, it wasn't that I could. I, I could go get my own and, and, and to be mean, but it's, it's real, it's relevant here. I, I could have ripped them from his hands. I considered it as I have with every one of our children. Uh, I could have ripped it from my two-year-old's hands, but that probably would have erupted into screaming and yelling and a, and a whole thing. Uh, but what's most important, you know what my son didn't know yet and, and is learning now, he's, he's just young, is how critical it is for he and I to give to each other in our relationship, father, son, to, to not just I spend the rest of my life giving to him and he gives me nothing, or backwards. It's critical that he and I give to each other it makes a relationship. You would agree that a one-sided relationship is an unhealthy relationship. And you would agree that most of us, as, as you were younger, you and I were pretty selfish as we were growing up and we didn't like to share the things that we had been given or gifted or that we had earned. And the fascinating thing is that you and I often don't change. You and I will get a job and we earn money and, and we begin to think things. So I want to teach you something I've been teaching my kids and and actually, as a family, we're trying to own a couple, or actually four things about God. Here's the first one out of a gummy bear story. God provided us with everything we have. As I talk to you about giving, you need to understand I'm not talking about your stuff. You may not agree with me, but I'm just speaking the truth to you, uh, that it's not your stuff. It's not my stuff. When we talk about giving, it's not a conversation of, are you and I going to give what we have and what we own and what's ours? It's, are we going to release what God's entrusted us with? It's very critical to know that God provided us with everything we have, but let's move on. God doesn't need what we have. And I know you know that, but it needs to be stated. It's a truth. God doesn't need what you have. God's not going, I don't know how to pay my bills. So I'm gonna need some money from you and I'm gonna need your time to help build some stuff. God doesn't need you and I, frankly, for anything. He doesn't need it. He can get whatever he wants whenever he wants it. It's important for you to understand that in a giving conversation, don't miss something that's so basic but so true. The next one, God can take all that we have. I mean, I could have ripped it out of my son's hands <laughs> and it doesn't go well if that plays out, just like if God takes something from you. It doesn't go well. You and I whine the same way a two-year-old would. And we cry, and it's a rough time, and we struggle then in that moment. Do I even like God anymore? I can't believe he's done this to me. But many of you understand what it's like to have things removed by God's hand, and it's confusing, isn't it? You wonder if God's still good because he took it all. You never forget it's his. He doesn't need it, but he can take it. But the most pivotal thing, the same thing I'm teaching my kids, is this. We need to give to God voluntarily. This is what I would contend many of us who are either new to following Jesus or we've been in church too long, we forget to consider the fact that our relationship with God is a two-way street. Have you ever considered the idea, the truth, that you and I should be giving to God even though he gives to us? But you're thinking, what, God doesn't need anything. It's not about what God needs, it's about the relationship. So I'll put in front of you just a basic concept, a question form, have you been giving to God anything? And I know many of us are brand new to this, We're like, no, David, I didn't know I was supposed to. And that's why we have these conversations in this church. And I'm well aware of this is a very offensive conversation to some. 
I'm not going, oh, really, that offended you? Or, oh, you didn't like me talking about giving? No, no, I understand that, but this is true. This is a real conversation because I'm a liar if I only tell you that Jesus loves you because that love should change things in your soul. And many of you are wondering, okay, now that I've accepted the love of Jesus, that forgiveness, I believe he died on the cross for God so loved the world. He gave, that's where you begin to say, how do I give to others around me? How do I invest in the lives of other people? The original church got this. The original church understood that it wasn't just saying, God love us, God love us, this is awesome. We're soaking up God's love, that's all we're gonna do. No, they understood that there were needs around them and as a community, they would meet it. Acts chapter four unfolds this for us. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy, all that there were no needy persons among them. From, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. See, now this is the offensive part, okay? Brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. If you're new to the church, you're like, apostles, apostles, what apostles? They were basically the pastors of the churches. The apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. See, this is where this gets to be a bit of an offensive conversation, because you and I are reading what the original church did. If you don't understand that, if you missed a part of it, the version of it, understand this. The original church heard about need, heard about the poor, heard about the widows and the orphans around them. And they said, we must do something, not just love these people and say they're accepted, but you and I must actually engage their lives and give to them. It compelled them so much so that they were selling their houses and their land, taking the money from that, dropping it at the feet of the pastors, saying, give to the poor. And I know this is offensive in America. It's not offensive other places. But I will press into you. What have you been giving to God? Or have you only been taking from him? And I know you're like, well, David, will you just move on to like another point and stuff? <laughs> but, but you gotta get this. Christianity, following Jesus, owning salvation is not just where you say, yay, me and he loves me, this is neat, we're just gonna go forward. It should compel you to something. And giving is at the root of how to show love. Now I wanna have a, a very specific conversation with you right now. Because I wanna address something that you may not know or understand or have clarity about it. This church operates on a very weird budget. Let me explain it all. It's called One Fund. I don't know if that's a technical term. I don't know if you look it up in dictionary.com, what it'll show you. I call it One Fund. Because here's what we believe is we don't designate money here. We don't think that you and I should give money towards the administration of a church, and then, then we're gonna do what God wants us to do. I believe strongly, it's a conviction, and we do as a church, that what you and I give to this church should go out and serve and meet needs. Amen. It should not be just this, this fund that you don't know what happens and where it goes and what's playing out and is it generous. I believe a church should be the most generous entity in an entire community. We rely so much so on big corporations to give a lot of money because a lot of money goes in there. I think the church, you and I, should be notorious for what you and I give away. 
I think we should be marked not just by accepting forgiveness, but what you and I are giving out with passion. So we've created what's called One Fund. When you give to this church, you actually end up giving to a lot. Yes, you help teach kids in the basement and of the West Campus. Yes, you help teenagers get to hear about Jesus during the week. But you also are helping teenagers go to camp. You're also fixing vehicles for single parents and families who are in a tough financial bind. You're literally fixing water pumps. Good job. <laughs> you are involved in the lives of widows and orphans, widows who have issues going on at their houses that they need fixed and they don't have anybody to fix it. You need to know that when you give to this church, you're fixing a front door for a widow. You need to know that you're feeding an orphan. You need to know that you are involved in the lives of the less fortunate. You are engaged in feeding homeless in our area. You are doing an incredible amount of work through the church. That's what Jesus designed. He started the church to not just consume, but to give. And when we together gather together and collectively give together, we can literally change the lives of thousands of people. That's why we have a tough conversation. Are you giving to God? And so in the midst of us being a church that cares about anyone and everyone, we have, we have engaged that in our, in our church, in our, in our area, but globally, God brought somebody across our path. So much so that we couldn't ignore it. You know when God talks to you, you better listen up, and God talked to us. And it was in such a way that we sat down, listened, and it moved us so much. That's the Trash Mountain Project. When we learned about an organization based in Kansas who was doing incredible work globally, helping to save the lives of people in trash dumps, we were just, tell us more, we gotta be a part of it. So we invited the founder, Brett, and we asked him to tell his story. Tell us where this came from. Tell us about what God did in your heart to start such a thing called Trash Mountain Project. So I want you to give your attention to the screens Focus in intently and listen to what God did with Brett and Trash Mountain Project. The passage in Matthew 25, uh, it was, that was what started it all in seminary. I was in an inductive Bible study class, and we studied that, pas that passage, and it's really famous for, you know, the disciples are talking to Jesus about what it means to follow him, and you know, he says, when I was hungry, you fed me, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink, when I was naked, you clothed me, when I was uh, in prison, you visited me, all that, and, and it, it just, I was looking at my life as a pastor, and it was like, am I doing any of those things? One day, this, this gentleman that worked for, uh, he was the head of the Florida Baptist Children's Homes down in Florida. They do a lot of foster care, and they were looking into international child care, and he stopped me in the hall, and he just, you know, he's, he was like, I need to talk to you about something. He's like, I don't, you know, I was in Honduras last week, and I was standing on a trash dump, and I thought of you. The strangest thing happened. He goes, we were standing on this dump, and we were talking to this pastor. They do, they try to get kids out of this trash dump. They work there and live there, and, and um, everything in me was just saying, I'm supposed to tell Brett about this. The first time we went up on this, this dump, and it's, basically it's a trash dump community. I didn't know what that was, but it's, you basically have 
you know, children, families living in and around the landfill. At first, it felt like a normal landfill like you'd see here, and but then we come around this corner and there's just hundreds of people just all in this one area, and it's where the trucks are coming in and dumping. They're just, they just swarm the back where they dump out and it just dumps on them, and it's so they can get to it as quick as possible. I just kept thinking of Matthew 25. It was like I was seeing Jesus stand in front of me and just say, you know, are you paying attention to this? You, you pray about something for a long time and it becomes real clear, you know, seeing that whole chapter, like everything he listed was in one physical place and it was just wild to try to process that. Next day, we just decided to go up to Pastor Johnny and say, hey, we're in. He was looking at me and seeing, you know, a couple of different things. One, I'm, you know, a big white boy from Kansas that doesn't speak Spanish. And, and you know, for me to go into that culture and think I'm going to really make much of an impact in any kind of, you know, fashion was maybe a little, um, I don't know, maybe even a little prideful on my end. But his whole point was he was seeing me and saying, he's like, he just looks and he's like, you're, you're a pastor of some big church in Florida from what I've heard. I don't know much about you, but he's like, you're an American. He's like, you have resources and influence like we can't understand down here. He's like, if people like you don't help and tell our story, and he points at this about 12-year-old boy, he's like, that guy dies Thursday. So I, you know, started researching, spent about two months looking and looking for any ministry here in the States that was doing any focus on trash dump communities, and I could not find it. And um, that was not something that changed either. I mean, we just couldn't find anything. Years and years, never never found anything except for one place that was really not even what I would have been looking for and we knew if we were going to do anything we probably had to know if this is like a is this a global epidemic or is this like just in Honduras or maybe in a couple of countries and, and um, I had a friend that was a missionary in Cambodia and he had he had contacted me after he saw the Honduras video and he's like man if, if you have a lot of interest in this which it seems like you do you need to come see this place he's like Phnom Penh has a massive trash dump community that you just need to see these people are, you know, just desperate. There's no one there to, to help them or even care about them or love them. And, and, but I was questioning it the whole trip and we, we went to the, the trash dump and it was weird. When we first stepped on, I looked at Michael and I'm like, we're home. We really wanted to make a point to, to work through the people who were there because every one of these communities we've ever been to, it's usually there is a pastor or teacher or just someone that is praying that God would send help. These are the bottom of the socio-economic system in every country we're in. We have confirmed that, at least in the places we're in now. To us, that's who we want to back, and that is who we want to be there for. And so um, we've had to kind of learn all of these different elements of how to address what the needs are and really starting with the really urgent stuff. The, you know, we've, we've had a lot of kids die um, of very preventable things that it's been tough because sometimes it happens when something could have been done and it was just they didn't know there was anyone to turn to. We're blessed in this nation. We have resources and that's something that we really do feel that we're to, to be a part of is to help with the resources. When they can see this connection with the church over here, it is such an encouragement that it really does fuel them.